Well, good morning, Identity Church. I am so glad to be here this morning. You know, this is a sleepy Sunday morning. We had thunderstorms that probably woke most of you up last night, right? How many people was in bed about 4 o'clock in the morning, five, you know, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning? All of a sudden you heard, boom, boom, boom. Micah says, no, I was, I was fully like, what is going on? Is there war happening outside? It was bad. But you know what? Praise God, we got through it. As far as I know, no one had any damage or anything. I do want to tell everybody, hey, do pray for the people in Mississippi. There was over 20, I think 25 people who died. It was pretty bad. You know, the thing about this time of year is that we typically get more and more storms and stuff. And so, you know, one of the things that I, that I tell people uh, all the time is speak to your storms. I'm going to be honest, Heather just went back there to go get her some coffee, I guess. But Heather and I were in, when we lived in Gardendale, there was a storm heading right towards our house. And we're sitting there, and you can ask her, you can ask Kaylee and Caleb, we're all down in the basement, and I'm going, in the name of Jesus, storm, you're going to move. You're going to dissipate. You know what happened? We're listening to Suspender Man, you know, James Spann, and he's going, He's going, that storm just fell apart. Yeah, I spoke to the storm. He said it was strong and it was heading towards Gardendale and all of a sudden it just died. Well, you know what? You got to speak to your storms. We talked a little bit about this last week. You know, we talked about speak up last week. And when we speak up, just like what Jesus said in Mark 11, 23 and 24, he said, say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and don't doubt in your heart. Well, you know, your heart is your belief system. And if the first thing that happens when the storm starts to happen, you go, oh my God, it's a tornado. Oh my God, it killed, you know, Aunt Thermogene back 30 years ago. Do you know that Heather and I, we actually, when we first got married, we were over at the church. uh, We were over at Victor Christian Fellowship one Wednesday night. We'd only been married maybe like, I don't know, it was probably eight months. It was the April 7th tornado. It came through. We're at church. All of a sudden, people are coming in. They're like, hey, the tornado's coming. It's, you know, it pretty much run over, uh, you know, Pleasant Grove and, and, you know, all these places over in Brookside and, and all that. And so we were, we were like, man, this is, this is pretty bad. We lived in Pleasant Grove. So Heather and I get in the car and we drive and, and uh, we, had a, um, we had a roast in the crock pot. Let's just say it was a sacrificial lamb because we had to go back and stay with mom and dad that night. Guess what? The power was off anyway. It didn't matter. But you could not get into Pleasant Grove. Well, you know, the first thing that, we, that I had happen, like the next time we had a storm, is that inside of me, I had not been fully, you know, my belief system had not been fully revetted yet into the word. The first thing that happened was, oh my God, there's a storm coming. Oh my God, there's a tornado. Well, you know, the thing is, is that after a little bit of time, me and Heather talking about that, I started going, you know what? I'm speaking to myself. And I, I, I will tell you, this is the way I talk. I'll go, Dusty, shut up. How many people know that, that Dusty, shut up is some of my best prayers? <laughs> because when Dusty is speaking and he's going, it's going to be bad. 
what's happening? Do you know that, that that's not prayer? That's worry. I want you to understand something. If the first thing you go is, oh my God, it's going to be bad. You know that that's not a good prayer. You know what a good prayer is? Help. <laughs> that's a pretty good one. How about this one? Shut up. You know, there's been plenty of times in my life where I was speaking doubt and unbelief. I wasn't speaking into my mountain. And guess what was happening to me? Fear and doubt and unbelief and all these things were coming at me. So last week we were talking about speaking up. But you know, one of the things that the Lord just kept putting on my heart, and I've I've preached on topics like this before, but this was kind of strong on me this week. So I wanted to, to share this one again but I, I kind of renamed it, redid some stuff. But, you know, the Lord kept putting on my heart is that we sometimes we get into these little problems where we can't speak to our problem because we don't understand who we are. We've been told crazy stuff. I love the, the Andrew Womack. Um, he had a friend. He had a minister friend of his. And he said the guy was competent and ministry and everything else but they were working on cars together and he said that his dad would insult him and bully him when he was a kid and one of the ways he did it because his dad was a mechanic was he would help his dad and his dad would go you're going to strip out that bolt you're putting that nut on that bolt and he would he would sit there and, and every single time he tried to put the bolt he tried to to put the the nut on the bolt he would strip it out and he said him and Andrew Womack are, are working on a car because Andrew back at that time, he was poor, you know. So now he was Poe. They didn't eat for like two weeks at a time. That's called Poe. <laughs> but he would be sitting there trying to get trying to get these cars to work. And he said they would go buy a part or go do something. The next thing you know, it had to go buy another part because the guy stripped it out. He said, I can't let him do it. He said because his dad had told him that he was awful at being a mechanic. And every time he got around tools or any time he got around, it just made him nervous. You know why? Because his core belief of who he was was to be really bad at being a mechanic. You know, one of the problems that we have is sometimes we have created an identity for ourselves based upon things that, that, we, that we think about. Let's just say for an example, you know, Micah is a chef. Okay, well, let's just say if Micah decided tomorrow that he wanted to go into computers and I wanted to become a chef. Let's just say that would be really bad probably for both of us. Because Micah doesn't do computers and I don't cook unless it's smoking some meat and then I'm pretty good. But what I want you to understand is that there is there is a difference in our identity right now. I would have to go through the schooling that Michael went through and I'd have to go do all these things that he's done. Do you know that, that he would have to do the same thing? He'd have to go through and, and understand how these computers fit together. Do you know that in both of those circumstances, we would both go through what they call imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is something I, I've really started grabbing a hold of because I have people that work for me I have one, especially, that he lives in imposter syndrome. In fact, I gave him a raise 
Heather knows about this. I gave him a raise and he was mad about it. You know why? Not because it wasn't enough money or whatever. It was because from an imposter perspective, he thought I didn't even, I wasn't even able to, to do, I, I feel like I'm not able to do the job. It's going to be fine. But I, I'm, not, I'm not able to do the job. Well, guess what? When you give somebody a raise and they believe I'm not able to do the job, even though they're doing the job, it makes them, it makes them go, oh, now they're giving me something that, that I can't even obtain. I can't, I can't live up to this standard. You know why? Because their identity is something less. Do you know that in my life I've had these things happen? You know what the best thing for me to do is to say, Dusty, shut up. Because every single time we get into imposter syndrome, then what we have is is we're saying, I am not the person they think I am. How many people have thought, I'm not the person they think that I am? Absolutely. I think in some ways everybody has seen this. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about is what you are called means something. You know that in every single circumstance in my life, I've been called lots of things. In fact, I make a joke all the time because people will say, what do they call you? And I say, most things except for some cuss words. (laughs) Some of them I turn my head and go, what are you talking about? I mean, it... It's just the way that it is that we live in an identity type state. We live in a state where we we identify with our job. We identify with the people that are around us. How many people know if you were in some sort of rotary club or if you were in, you know, if you went to the Y, uh, you know, I was talking to Reba and them. uh, I guess a couple of y'all do the silver sneakers or whatever. Well, you know what? There's some people, they put their whole heart and soul into it. Well, that's what I do. And, and I'm, I'm supposed to be there every single time the doors are open. You know what? I, I want you guys to get uh, an identity about Identity Church. I want you to go, hey, every time the doors are open, I want to be there because that's my people. Well, that's, that's the kind of things that we do in our society. And it wasn't that much different in Jesus' time, but it... But they had a different way of dealing with it. And I'll show you this morning. We're going to start out. The main, the main uh, verse here is Romans 8, 28. Now, most people know this verse because it's, it's a verse I use all the time with everybody. Hey, God's going to work all things out to the good for those who love him. You know, that's true. It's, it's a true statement. But you have to understand some things about the context of this in order to get the fullness how many people want the fullness of this verse? Anybody? No, nobody? Okay, there's a couple. Okay. So the fullness of this thing is, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Whoa. You mean I have to be called to his purpose? Well, what if I don't know what his purpose is? Well, let's find out what his purpose is. Verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, and he might be the firstborn among many brethren. All right, that's a whole lot of words, but this is what it says, okay? 
And I went back and I looked at every word in the Greek to make sure that it matches up. And the reason why they did it this way is because it's doubling down. Okay? The, the way that Paul is writing this is doubling down. He's saying, For God foreknew everybody. And he predestined everybody to be conformed as a son through Jesus Christ. That Jesus was the pattern. He was the the firstborn of many brethren. So what happened is, is God created Jesus as... Now, Jesus was before. In fact, we can go back and look at all the angels of the Lord. And we can go back and look at in the Old Testament where the pre-incarnate Christ, Jesus... Was, was there. We can find it. He's, he's there in, in all kinds of books throughout the Old Testament. But the thing that we need to understand the most is that when he became a son of the earth, the son of man, and he was the son of God, he bridged two gaps. Now, I, I always love this story, so I tell it. Back when we were doing, uh, I was doing uh, mission work in Costa Rica, I had this guy and he came up and he was watching us and he was a, a scientist and he was going to the University of Santiago. And he comes into the, he comes in and he, he talks to a lady and he says, I want to talk to that guy. That's the guy I want to talk to. And he was pointing to me. So I come walking up to him. They, they said, hey, this guy wants to talk to you. His name was Armando. And Armando is, you know, got the slick back hair. He's wearing the, the ascot, he thinks. You know, he looks like a college student down there. You know, he, he's, everybody else is like dirty, right? He's like, I want to be important. So he comes up and he goes, I've been watching you. And he goes, I, I have a mathematical formula for what love and kindness looks like. And I wanted to run it by you. And I was like, okay. He says, I'm a... I do astrophysics and all these other things at the University of Santiago. And I told him, I said, well, that's pretty cool. I said, I'm a computer engineer. And I went to the University of Alabama, Birmingham. And he was like, oh, that's why I knew I should talk to you. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him. And, and he's starting to talk about the mathematics behind love and kindness. And I'm, I'm talking to him and I listened to his love and kindness mathematics thing that he wanted to do. And it was really cool. I thought it was great. But it was void of God. See, he saw us out there hugging people. That we actually talked about it, me and mom. You know, here, if I was to go up to a, and put free hugs on a sign and go stand out there, I'd have no takers, right? <laughs> There'd be nobody that want to hug Dusty here in the United States. But you go down to Santiago, you go down to Mexico, you go down to you know, Honduras, and you put free hugs on, people flock to you. You know why? Because they want to be touched. They want somebody to have a connection with. Because they're void of that kind of interaction. Well, this guy saw this and thought it was a really good thing. Oh, you're showing kindness by hugging people. And I started telling him about the kindness of God. Well, God sent his son, and I'm talking to him, and I can tell he's not really into it. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, tell him about string theory. So I said, well, I've studied some string theory. And I said, 
what happened was God created this universe. And I said, and there's another universe called heaven. And so it's just on the other side of what we can see. And I start talking to him about that in this, in my version of, of string theory, that Jesus became the bridge because he was part that universe and part this universe. So he could bridge the gap between man and God. And now we could believe in him and we could have, we could have a connection to the other universe. And this guy goes, I believe that. And I said, I said, well then, let's pray. I said, you are, you're going to get saved today. You're going to be a child of the other universe. This guy was all about it. He kept coming back every single day that we were out there and he would talk to me. And I got him hooked up with some people that were down there. But I tell you that story because we live in a world where we're being conformed to this world. See, that's what Romans chapter 12 talks about. Romans chapter 12 says that, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I've said this before. Reba thought this was a good uh, you know, analogy. But this water is being conformed to this bottle, right? Well, if I throw it in the... If I throw it in the freezer, what happens? It gets transformed into a solid. See, what we have to understand is, is, that, is that that kind of conformation, if you will, it means that I have boundaries. But see, this is a different word here. This word right here is symorphosis, and it means joint, jointly formed or fashioned like unto. This would be more like 2 Corinthians 5.17 where it says that, that, uh, that we were made new creatures in Christ Jesus. That means that we were formed jointly together to be conformed. That word over there is um, simoka. And simoka means that there was a pattern. There's a, there's a way to, to put something in a pattern. How many people know that if in a pattern, like if I take, I take a two by four and I'm going to cut 22 by fours. Well, you know that you take one two by four, you cut it, and then you use it as the pattern, right? Because what happens if you cut one and then use the next one to cut the next one and then use that one to cut the next one? You know what happens? You're shorter. You, you've not conformed to that pattern anymore. But see, the world is conforming us. It's putting us into a form every single day. And see, we're looking to conform to heaven, to be jointly fit and knit together, not to be conformed where there's control. See, that's the main difference between what God is trying to do. God's trying to bring you into the family, and the world is trying to control you. You know, one of the things that when we're conformed into his image, we're, that means that when God sees us, he sees Jesus. I'm going to tell you what, guys. When, we see, when God sees us, he sees Jesus. 
That means that, that no matter what I did yesterday, because I've accepted Jesus Christ, I can boldly go into the throne room of God. And he goes, there's my son. There's Joanne. There's my daughter. Do you know that in every single person that has accepted Jesus Christ, God just looks at you and goes, Woo, there's my son. There's my daughter. Do you know that this is the, this is the truth of how, we, of how we're, our purpose is supposed to work in the, the earth? You know, I've said this many times. My dad and my mom are in the back. Well, I'm a Cornelius. I'm not a baker. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not somebody else. I mean, I'm married to a gullion, but she's come over in, on the our side. I brought her to the dark side, you know. <laughs> but Heather and I, we're conformed to being Cornelius's. We're raising Cornelius's. They're going out into the world. Now Kaylee is a baker, and she's going out in the world as a baker. Do you know that in every single way that we are formed together, we start taking on that that image you know Kaylee and Micah are going to live their lives in the image of what they build you know what Heather and I we live in the image of what we build it's completely different than the Goyan household and then even my own parents do you know why because it's ours we're we're fitly tightly knitted together Heather and I, we've been married for almost 25 and a half years. What happens is, is that there are things that I finish her sentences and she finishes mine. You know that in some ways, we're so connected together that if you pulled us apart, one of us would probably have a really hard time functioning. It's just the way that it's, we're created. We're created to be conformed together to be fitly and tightly jointed together. So predestined, so everybody goes, oh man, here we go, some predestination talk. Well, you know, God did predestine that everybody should be saved, but not everybody's going to be saved because he played his part, we have to play ours. If somebody out here says, well, I don't believe in Jesus, I'm sorry, you're, you're not saved. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. You know, I've had many people go, well, you think a good God's going to send, send me to hell? And I said, uh, God has nothing to do with this. This is all about you, buddy. See, this is the problem, is that I felt like when I said that, there was some of y'all going, well, God does have a lot to do with that. No, God has nothing to do with that. God a long time ago said this is the way it's going to be. And then he gave us the option of life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he tells us what do we should do? Choose life. He gave us the answer. It's like, well, if you're too stupid to understand, you might want to choose life and not death. Well, you know what? I would much rather us choose life and go tell people, hey, that's not life. See, we're too many times in our, in our society, we've conformed everybody to this thinking that, well, I need to make everybody feel good about what they're doing. 
I've said this before. If there's strychnine right up here and my son's about to drink it and he goes, and he goes to grab it and I scream, Caleb, don't! Well, that might hurt his feelings. Well, you know what? I'd, I'd hurt his feelings all day long to keep him from dying. See, we have to conform our ways to God's way, to be jointly fit together, to understand what he wants to do, not in what he has done. Because believe me, what he has done, it, it's, it's in motion. He's not going to stop. It's it's not it's not up for debate. It's happening. You know how many times it, have you ever have you ever been seen an ant and an ant stands up and goes, "You will not step on me." <laughs> well, heck, I didn't even know it was there. Do you know that there is a there's a point where we have to understand that God has given us a. He's given us the playbook. He's told us this is the way it's going to be. Choose life. So predestination means, hey, in advance, he said, I want everybody to conform and to be fitly jointed together with me. But some people are going to choose not to. The truth is Jesus' purpose was to be the firstborn among many. Jesus came so that we would be fitly, tightly knit together with him so that we would be God's children. Say, I'm God's children. I'm God's children. Amen. Jesus was the mold. We're being formed in his image. All right. So we're going to get into some names here. I love this kind of stuff. You guys may go, oh, I hate, I hate when you start getting into Greek. and, do, But this is the kind of stuff that I will actually take one verse and I will go through the Strong's. Which, by the way, if y'all have not downloaded a Bible with the Strong's in it, like Blue Letter or the Blue Letter Bible, it's a great Bible. I love it. I use it primarily. But I can go quickly and go to the inner linear of a word, and I can say, that word means this. It's so awesome because I can see it in the Hebrew. I can see it in the Greek. I can see it in all that. So if you're looking at studying, you want to know what those things look like in the Greek and Hebrew? Sometimes it's exactly what the word means. Sometimes it's that what that word means, and also it can mean something else depending on the context of the word. So anyway, really good stuff. So anyway, what we're called matters. And so I'm going to use Jesus and John as, a, as an example. So in Luke chapter 1, everybody knows Mary has been, Mary and Elizabeth both are pregnant. One of them are pregnant with John, Elizabeth, and Mary is pregnant with Jesus. Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on here. They actually had to shut the mouth of uh, they had to shut the mouth of um, Zachariah, an angel did, because he wanted to call John something else. You know why? Because he had nobody in his family that was called that. So what happened was, is that the angel came to him and said, hey, verse 13 of, verse, uh, of Luke chapter 1, it says, But an angel said unto him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. And his name means Jehovah remembers, which I thought was really kind of awesome. For your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth, and her, her 
name means my God has sworn will bear a son and you shall call him John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Now, the reason why God wanted God wanted John to be named John and not some other Levi word, okay, is because of this one thing. John means Jehovah is a gracious giver. Now, let me tell you, what, what was John's main job when he was on the earth? He went before Jesus and he said, hey, one greater than me is coming. That will, I baptize you in the water. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, do you know that, that if they had named him something else, then it might have been okay. But God said, no, I want him to know his purpose. Now, let me ask you a question. If every day, if, if let's just say, for an example, I named Caleb, not John, but I named him, you know, Jehovah is a gracious giver. Now, that's a little long word, okay? So, but if it was like, Jehovah is a gracious giver, come here. Jehovah is a gracious giver. Would you go over here and take out the garbage? Jehovah is a gracious giver. Come over here. I'm going to whip your tail. <laughs> Do you just think about... You think about this was the way that they talked to each other. I mean, every day you would hear over and over and over what your purpose was. In fact, it was so much of, of that that Jesus also had the same thing happen to him. Luke 1, just a few verses down, Luke one thirty one, it says, Behold... You will conceive in your womb, talking to Mary, and bring forth a son, and his name shall be Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Jesus' name, so Yeshua is, is what it would sound like. So Jesus is a Greek name, okay? So for all you that go, well, Jesus is, you know, what did they call him Jesus? No, they called him Yeshua because that was the way that they said it in Israel. That was the Hebrew name. But that name meant Jehovah is salvation. So let's just say for an example, if you're living a, a life and, and you might have a down day, let's just say Jesus went into his own hometown I mean, I'm just using hypotheticals. And he could get nobody healed. Remember that one? Well, you know, as a part of salvation, it's that word salvation there means health, deliverance, to be saved. Well, you know what? He goes in and people don't accept what he's doing. You know what? The next time somebody says, hey, Yeshua, then they just said, hey, you are a, a healer. You're a deliverer. You get people saved. You know, it's kind of hard to run from your calling if you get called it all the time. I, I'm, I, I want you to understand that. Because a lot of times we get called lots of other things. How many, times, how many times in your life have you been called something less than flattering? Well, you know, you go to work and you have people that go, well, Nobody, you know, 
I've had this happen because I'm a cyber security. I've had people go, well, Dusty doesn't care about people. Well, my job and who I am is supposed to be two different things. But because people would come to me and they would go, I want to do X, Y, Z thing. And I go, no, you can't do X, Y, Z thing because we have a standard. They would go, I just don't like Dusty. Well, you know, for a long time, I had a complex. You can ask Heather. I used to come in, I used to hate my job, I used to hate telling people no all the time. And the reason was is because everybody hated to come talk to me. Talk about a complex, right? You start going, well, I'm just not good enough. I, I just, I'm never going to be able to, you know, I'm never going to have people that are going to like what I do. What I do doesn't matter to some people. You know, what was so funny is I had bosses that would come back and go, no, what you're doing matters. You're saving us millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in fines by saying no. But you know, the thing is, is that when somebody just keeps calling you, well, you're insensitive or you don't, you don't care about me or you don't do this, it, it creates a complex. And see, for years I had that complex. You know, one of the things that really broke me out of it is when I was going to Bible college, you know, I got a teaching that was very similar to this. And so I started telling myself. Remember last week I was saying that David stirred himself up when everybody was wanting to kill him? Well, you know, all the good stuff, it goes to the bottom. If I put, you know, Kool-Aid, do you remember the old good Kool-Aid that had the sugar in it? Remember? Now we have that stuff that has aspartame and all that, but you'd put Kool-Aid in there and all the good bits would be at the bottom. Sometimes I wouldn't stir it up just so I could get to the bottom and it'd be like crunchy, you know? But all the good stuff would be at the bottom. And so you'd be like, oh, I gotta, I gotta shake that up. Well, you know, the, the, the problem comes down to, and, and this is the way it is with anything, is that if you don't stir yourself up, nobody else is gonna. Sometimes, if you don't stir your own self up, you're not going to receive being stirred up from somebody else. I'm going I'm to say that again. Sometimes, when you don't stir your own self up, you become so self-conscious that when somebody comes to stir you up, you do like the guy that I gave the raise. Well, what are you going to expect of me? I gave you the raise. I didn't say, hey, I've got some stuff that you need to do. And by the way, I'm going to give you a raise for it. That's called a job. I was doing it. I was doing it because you deserved it. We need to understand that in every single avenue of our lives, people are speaking to us and putting ideas into us. If you're at work and somebody's calling you a sorry good for nothing... Well, if you keep listening to it and don't stir yourself up, you're going to believe that you're sorry good for nothing. If you go to work and somebody tells you, oh, well, you're just never going to be able to make it. Well, then you stop even trying. I've had that happen many times in my life. How about this? How about you gotten some of the greatest, some of the greatest things that ever happened to you? You, you, you get a hold of the word and you're starting to get educated and ADD's leaving you and you find a beautiful wife and you're like, ooh, this is awesome. I, I get married and two weeks after I come back from my, my honeymoon, all of a sudden it's like, 
well, we've got no job. Well, I guess maybe I don't need to be a computer engineer one day. You know that that was a, a part of the problem that I had for a little while. And I had Heather stirring me up. I had myself stirring myself up. But you'll get that. Well, maybe I should just go get a job, whatever. Well, you know what? If I had quit trying, I would have never made it. Now, I'm not putting people down who have said, hey, I settled for this or I did that or, or this was the opportunities that was afforded to me. Well, guess what? Whatever you want to do, if you decide I want to do something else, that's fine. That's good. But don't ever 20 years later walk away and go, well, I had these circumstances happen and I couldn't do that. Circumstances should never, ever ever stop you from whatever God's calling you to do. Amen. And guess what? You could be 7, you could be 27, you could be 57, you could be 77, and if you still haven't fulfilled the things that God's called you to do, get out there and do it! That's what I'm saying, guys. Get out there and do it. You know that there is a point in our lives where we have to say, what is my name? What is the thing, the purpose that God has put in my heart? Jesus is salvation. So every time somebody said Jesus, he heard, oh yeah, I am God of salvation. I'll come over there and I'll save you. See, that's, that's the beauty of what I liked about the way the Hebrew naming system was. They did all kinds of really cool stuff with it. A lot of times, and you know, Pastor Jim McCann over at VCF, he had this on his wall, and he talked about these all the time. And you know, I never really went through and looked at these until probably about ten years ago. But you can find Jehovah's name throughout the Bible. So, in Genesis uh, twenty-two thirteen, Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. There was actually the song Charlie used to sing and dance on the stage. Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider. His grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Well, you know what? That, that stuck with me because it was a song. And I remember Charlie dancing around the stage. It was great. <laughs> I remember Jehovah Jireh big time. These are some of the ones that's like, Jehovah Rapha, how do you get a song out of that one? But Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. You know, that's a really important one. You need to know that God is the healer. Jehovah Shammah, it means the Lord is present. It means that when you don't think he's there, he's there. God is with you. Jehovah Shalom is God, our peace. In fact, it's so much so that they would tell uh, the, the Jewish people actually greet each other with this word Shalom. It means peace, go with you. You know that if, you were, if we were to greet each other with peace and not just, hey, <laughs> hey, how you doing? Well, you know, hey's fine, but it's also for horses and grass is cheaper. But we have to remember that peace is something that I need to be propagating. What is, what is the, when we were talking about our um, putting on the full armor of God, 
What was the feet shod with preparation of peace? means everywhere you go, you're taking peace with you. means that when I say hello to people, if, I, if we went around and said shalom, which doesn't mean much to us, but to them it meant peace to you. Well, you know what? That's exactly what we need to be taking with us. Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi says the Lord is our banner. It means that everything in my life, I go out and say God is first. You know, it's an old word to the banner, but people actually used to used to put stuff on their forehead. They would wear, you know, we, we think of the bandanas from the 1980s, you know. You know, the, the guy strapped, you know, karate kid. And he, he's got the... He's got the big, you know, sun for Japan on his forehead. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, man, he looked cool. But do you know that one of the reasons why they wore headbands in, in Japan, especially, is because they wrote their names. Sometimes they would write what they were going to do to you. It was a banner. It was the, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And I'm going to tell you who I am. I ain't shying away from it. It says, Jehovah Rapha. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. We see this in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He causes me to, to lie in green pastures. It means, means that there's going to be some good stuff that's coming. Now, I myself want to lie in my bed. And so a green pasture doesn't seem as good. But back then, that was pretty good to them, I guess. Jehovah Sinkanute. This one right here. <laughs> It took me, I used to go, to Sidi Kino, or, or whatever. But it's Sinkanut, and it means the Lord, our righteousness. Our righteousness is in Christ Jesus. When you got saved, that means you are in right standing with God. It means God himself, Jehovah Sinkanut, is going, you're righteous. You're with me. I'm present. Peace goes with you. You know what? I always loved how Abraham and how Jacob and some of these other people. Do you know that this is important? I wish we would do this in our own society because, you know, we name somebody like if we named Caleb and, you know, the way that they do in uh, like the, the Native American societies, they would always wait until they were like five or six years old to give them, you know, their names. They'd be like dances with wolves, you know, um, howls at the moon. You know, uh, chief picks his nose a lot. I mean, whatever, whatever it was, they would give them these names because they saw something in themselves. Well, do you know that in, in the Jewish society, you might name a kid something, but then 10, 15, 20 years later, they would go and change their name because they might have a better name. You know, they do that with the Pope a lot of times because the Pope will be something that they will give them a name. And I'm not all for the Pope, but what, what I think is kind of cool is that they don't just go, hey, here's your name. Your name was Dusty Pope now, you know. No, they actually try to give them a name that signifies something that's a part of what they're supposed to be doing. So Abraham, when they named Abraham, he's the exalted father. Well, you know, I've got two kids. I, I'm a father. But God came back, and, and if God came to me, I'd say, oh, Lord, help me. But if God came back and said, hey, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to change your name 
So that every time somebody says your name, you go, okay, I'm going to be the father of many nations. How about that? How about somebody that's 90-something years old, almost 100, and all of a sudden God says, hey, you're going to have a kid? You're going to go do all this? And it's like, I've not had a kid yet. Well, then the next thing that happens is they come back and you say, oh, hey, Abram. And you go, no, God changed my name to Abraham. Oh, now I've got to call you father of many nations? Well, you know, every time somebody talked to him and said, hey, Abraham, he, he was remembering that I'm going to be the father of many nations, that out of this seed that has been sown, I'm not just a father, but, but whole nations are going to come out of me. By the way, turn the AC off. I think we're, I think we're chilling some folks out here. Uh, you can just you can bump it up one, one or two. Uh, the, air con- the air condition is working good. I like it. Okay, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We've actually had it. We got a brand new unit back over here, and it'll it'll blow you out of here. I really like it. So all right. So how many people remembers that Jacob, so you had uh Esau and Jacob, right? Well, Esau was was basically born first. And Esau was supposed to get the birthright. Well, guess what? Jacob was holding on like with everything. Like, no, I was, I'm wanting to be first. And he's holding on to his heel. Do you know that Jacob supplanted his brother Esau to take the blessing? Him and his mother went and put hair all over his arms. I guess Esau was a pretty hairy dude. But they went and got all this like wool and put it on his arms. And, you know, covered him, I guess, in whatever you covered him in to smell like Esau. Maybe Esau smelled bad. And they just, like, sprayed him down with urine or something. I don't know what it was. But he goes to his dad, and his dad's blind. And he goes, oh, this is Esau. I'm going to bless you. Do you know that Jacob was basically, he was a supplanter. He was somebody that was, that was going to try to get one over on you. You know that God basically turned his life around and, and changed his name to Israel. And this word Israel means God prevails. So he went from being a supplanter to, to being the one that God is going to have to prevail over his people. Do you know that, that I think we should do that sometimes when people get saved is I think we should change their name. Because a lot of times... They still hold on to their old, run-down, good-for-nothing friends and, and members and people that are around, and they just keep being dragged back into the mire. You know, that I think sometimes that we need to completely cut off the old and say, no, this is what God is calling me. God prevails. I am the father of many nations. You know, I do this every single morning. I don't say those things. I'll say father of many nations, not unless Caleb and Kaylee and y'all are going to go off and, you know, create a couple of nations or something. But my, my whole thing now is I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. My father supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I am the head and I'm not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I tell myself that probably two and three and four times a day. 
So if I had a name tag on, I said, hello, my name is Dusty. Well, what does Dusty mean to y'all? Could mean pastor, could mean friend, could mean son, could mean husband. You know what? Well, I can go find other people and it might be mean looking, ugly dude. You know, there's a lot of different ways that people see us. And there's a lot of different ways that they can also impress their own identity onto us as well. All right, we're going, we're going to get to the end of this real quick. But I just wanted to show the, the difference here because I thought this was really interesting. I'm going to bring up a couple of things. that I, This is the kind of stuff I really love to get into. I love to see the different changes that happens throughout the Word and how, and how people actually interacted in the Word. So Saul, uh, Simon and Saul turn into Peter and Paul. Okay, so in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, it says, Simon Peter answered and said, so Jesus had asked him, Simon Barjona, who do you believe I am? And so Jesus is sitting there asking Peter, Go ahead, out me. Who am I? And Simon answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. All that means is son of Jonah. And Jonah means dove. For the flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say unto you that you are Peter, Petros, which means a, a piece of the rock. See, whenever somebody comes back and says, oh, well, the church was built on Peter. No, no, no. No, the church was not built on Peter. What was the church built on? What, what did Peter say? See, what Peter said was more important than who Peter was. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is what the church is built on. That is the firm rock and foundation of what the church of Jesus Christ is built on, is that he is and will always be the Son of God, the only way to the Father. And see, Peter, because he had said, hey, I'm the first one to actually believe, put it out there, he said, you're a piece of that rock. You're not the rock. So Peter, he was just, the person that was the mouthpiece for the church at that time. And his whole message was, Jesus is the son of the living God. Now you go and talk to our Catholic friends and they'll be like, no, Peter, just who he was, was the reason why the church was created. <laughs> Sorry, that's not true. Because he didn't call him Petra. He called him just a small piece of rock <clears throat> so i'm gonna i'm gonna move over here to you know when paul was having some issues uh with with some folks as he was preaching in acts chapter 13 and i am bouncing around here but i want you to see the difference in some of the names and why jesus actually talked to some of the people the way that he did is because he was actually giving them uh he was giving them a purpose. Peter's purpose was to go and be a part of that rock. His purpose was to go out and to preach the Christ, the living God, and that Jesus was him. 
But we'll also see that Paul was sent out and Paul has been put into a different world. Paul was sent out to the Jews, not to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And they had all kinds of weird beliefs. But we'll also see how this this kind of fits in here. Uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 6, and it says, Now when they had gone through the Isle of uh, Pappas, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet. Remember this word, false prophet. A Jew whose name is Bar-Jesus. That means son of Yeshua. Uh, And I don't think this is a coincidence. This is 17 years after Jesus had died and was raised from the dead. How many people know that there were people that were that were false prophets that rose up and said, "Oh, I want to have some I want to have some of that Jesus notoriety." See, this was a Jew. This person was actually saying that they were the son of Jesus. See, I want you to understand in if you don't believe that, it's not going to really matter because I'm going to move on here in just a second. But this is what I want you to understand is that they were attaching themselves to who Jesus was. They wanted as a sorcerer, as somebody that was dealing in the works of the devil to be able to say, oh, I'm a part of what Jesus was doing. And what, what happens next? It says in verse 7, it says, who was the proconsular to uh, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man? This man, uh, this man called for uh, Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the sorcerer, so I want you to understand, this is not two different people. It was Elamus that changed his name to son of Jesus. See, what happened here is that Elamus was really his real name. And Elamus was the one that was going around going, oh, I'm the son of the living Christ. So listen to me, uh, Sergius. Don't don't go out and listen to this Paul and Barnabas because they're going to lead you wrong. I'm the one that actually is the son of God, the son of Jesus. And it says right here, it says that, um, but Elamus the sorcerer, for his name was translated, understood them, uh, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O oh, full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? This backs up my statement that he was out there calling himself Jesus. He was an actual false prophet. He was one of those that was trying to rise up and use the notoriety of who our Christ was. And Paul was calling him out for it. See, this is important because we have people all the time. We were... I think Heather was talking to people at her work and they were watching. She actually thought it was Jeffrey Dahmer at first and she used Jeffrey Dahmer. And I was like, whoa, I don't think that was Jeffrey Dahmer. But when we found out about it was actually David Koresh and it was the Waco massacre thing that happened and the Davidian, Branch Davidian folks, you know, that guy just said, oh, I, I'm the I'm the reincarnate Christ. 
And all these people sold their houses, sold their you know cars. They all moved their families into a big compound. And this guy looked over them. I mean, he did some crazy stuff. But, you know, I remember back in 92, uh, 92 or 93, um, you know, Clinton actually ran tanks through the middle of this thing, set it on fire. I don't think one person lived. It was really kind of strange. But but the, the whole thing is, is that this was an antichrist. This was a false prophet, somebody who who had taken on the identity of Jesus by saying, hey, I'm, I'm his son. And it says, <clears throat> and, it, and it says here, you know, that Saul, who was all, also called Paul, was filled with the Holy Ghost. I wanted to show you here that, you know, Saul and Paul are two different names. One, Saul is a name in the Hebrew. It's like King Saul, right? Well, King Saul and, and Saul himself here, his Hebrew name was Shaul, and it meant desired. So Saul was a desired person. He actually, uh, Gamaliel was one of the highest teachers that you could be in. You had to have the most money. You had to have the most influence in order to be under Gamaliel. And you know what happened? Paul was under Gamaliel for eight years. It means that, he was going to be probably, Paul himself, if he had stayed Saul and he had not went after Christ, he would have been probably the high priest probably pretty soon because he was one of the tip top of his students. So Saul himself, before he moved over to the Christian side, he was, he was well desired by everybody. But Paul is a Latin name, and this word Paulius means little or small. And, you know, I want you to understand, Sergius had the same name. See, we, we think about this thing, like in, in verse 7, it says, Who was the proconsul? Sergius Paulius. His name was Paul as well. And, you know, one of the things that I bring up about this is because Paul was a name that was used all over the world. God didn't give, you know, Saul didn't go down and Paul rose up. There's a lot of people who teach that. But do you know that Paul, when they used his name, it meant little. I mean, that he was going out amongst all these Gentiles and he was being seen as somebody who was humbled. You know, that's probably one of the best things for us to understand is that when we go into something new, when we go into our lives, we don't need to be the most desired. We need to be the most humbled. We need to be the person that goes out and we need to take on the things that happen to us and that are going into our future. We need to be humble and to know where to go next and to not always say, I know all the answers. Sometimes we've got to make changes and we've got to do things that are not always popular. You know, when, when I went away from doing uh, contract work, I went back to pulling cable. That's how me and Brock actually, we worked together. That's how we became friends and started going to church is that um, I, I'd gotten Michael England hired on and Chris Elrod and a couple other people. But I had to go back from doing computer engineering type work 
I had to go back and start pulling cable. Well, you know, because of that, I, I got humbled. I, was, I went from, I know where my future's going and I know what's happening and I know where I'm going to, hey, I got to take a couple steps back. I got a, I, I took a pay cut. I took a, I mean, everything started happening that way. But you know what? Out of that, I got to know people like Brock. I got to know people um, throughout Southern Company. And because I started and I humbled myself by going back into a job where I pulled cable and not just worked on PCs or worked on servers, but I actually worked with people, then I got to know all kinds of people. God opened up doors of opportunity that I couldn't even imagine. I was able to go and take jobs at places like Southern Link. And because I went and took jobs at places like Southern Link, they taught me things like cybersecurity and then now I've been with, uh, with EMS, the energy management system, which is what runs all this power. I've been doing that for the last 15 years. And it's because each time I humbled myself and I went into a new area. You know that Paul himself had to humble himself and go away from being the most prestigious. And he had to go into the world. He had to go into the Gentile world. And he had to call himself small. You know that being humble is the first step to wherever you're going next. I want you all to think about that as you're going through your week because there are some things where you go, and, and humbleness is a, is a different thing. A lot of people go, well, maybe I'm too proud and haughty. Well, that's not being humble is to be the opposite of proud and haughty. That's one way. But how about this? How about if God says that you can do all things through Christ Jesus and you go, no, I can't. That's, that's also called pride. It's because I know better than God knows. Well, if God tells you something and he gives you a promise, then you better best believe it. You better humble yourself to believe what God says about you. And this is where I'm going to stop. What is in a name? I, Heather this morning quoted Shakespeare to me. But, you know, I was, I was talking to her about this. And, you know, I, I just, God has been putting this on my heart that every single time I get away from who I am and I get away from the identity that he's created in me, that I start walking away from from what I'm supposed to be doing, the person I'm supposed to be. So what is in a name? So a Christian, it's a relationship with Jesus. That's all it means. A lot of times the world comes back to you and goes, oh, well, being a Christian means that you're mean to people that you don't agree with. No. Being a Christian means that I love people, but I tell the truth. Being a Christian means that I love Jesus. And because I love Jesus, I love people, even when they're unlovely. Ministry, what is your call? I, you know, that's one of the things that a lot of people go, what is your call? What is your call? Brock, you know what your call is? Heather, you know what your call is? You know what your call is? Micah, Kaylee, you know what your call is? Well, if you... You could all go, uh-huh. And I know everybody went, oh, my God, he's wanting me to tell him what the call is. 
I just told you at the very beginning to be conformed and fitly, knitly, tightly ingrained together as the purpose of being with the firstborn son of Jesus Christ so that you can be in the family of God. Your call and your ministry is to be a part of the family. And and out of that, some pretty cool stuff's going to happen. Like I said last week, you're going to see devils cast out, aren't we, Sonia? We're going to see people be filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to see people overcome things. We're going to see people like my mom where she stood up all morning where she can only stand up five or ten minutes without having to sit down for a long period of time. We're seeing healing and miracles and things happen because people are being part of their call. They're just a part of the family. And see, if you're a part of the family, then the good stuff comes. You know, my dad next week, anybody who wants to come, if you're listening to this, you can come and you'll have a ham. My dad loves to cook hams. You know what? But my dad was a meat salesman. Every time he would go around, he would go get all this meat from the store and he would bring it to me and Heather. Well, he didn't do it just because it was good for his health. He did it because he loved us. You know what? God's trying to get you the good things. He's trying to get you the the extra couple of cases of hot dogs, which was awesome. But see, all these different things, God's trying to bring us together. Your call is to be a son and a daughter. Okay, a dad, someone who imparts their life into their children. How many people know that you don't have to have a kid in order to impart your life into someone? You can be a dad. You can be a mom, someone who grounds their children in stability. You know, the, the reason for motherhood is because they're the grounding people. Dad goes out there and does all the risk-based stuff and is supposed to go out there and, you know, back a long time ago, do all the wars and the fighting and everything. Mom was supposed to be back making sure everything was good. Well, we've lost that concept in society, but... We can actually be someone's ground. We can be somebody's stability. I'm going to tell you what, Sonia and Vicky and, and a couple other people, y'all are Katie's stability. Believe it, you've got a ministry that you've got to fill with Katie. Friend, it's like a brother. You know what, we... we I find myself going, I don't have enough friends. I don't have enough people that I can that I can have brotherhood with. You know why? Because we're too much into this. Whoops my TikTok say today and I gotta I gotta Instagram this before we can actually move on. Let's take a picture of our food. But you know what? We quit enjoying stuff. I'm not picking on you, Kaylee. But <laughs> But the thing is, is that we're not living life with people as brotherhood. What we're doing is we're taking, we're taking our lives and we're condensing it down into the most happiest three seconds or whatever it is. And we put it on Facebook or we put it on Instagram or we put it on TikTok. And then the rest of the lives, it's like, well, what else do I do with my life? Well, you're supposed to be living it. So sons and daughters, God calls you sons and God calls you daughters. 
fact, in Galatians 3, 6, for people who go, oh, I don't, know if, I don't know if God's calling me to be a son or a daughter. It says, for ye all are, are the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. There's your verse. You know that Jesus has created the opportunity for you to be in the family. All you got to do is believe. Every day you need to wake, wake up. If you're a guy, you go, I'm a son of the living God. If you're a woman, you go, I'm a daughter of the living God. Amen. You know, that was really hard for me a couple of years ago. Well, you're saying that you're like God. Well, I was made into his image. I don't know what the, I don't know what word y'all are looking at, but the ones that I saw was saying, oh, that means I'm a part of the family. He's in me and I'm in him and we are, we are conformed together. We are tightly fit and joined together. Then in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we've been made new creatures in Christ Jesus, that the old man passed away and behold, the new one is this tied together conformed, fitting to Jesus. We're a part of his family. You know, one of the things that, that you start seeing a theme is that adoption, and I know I'm getting over here, but adoption is something that you can't, because you chose it, you can't get rid of it. In fact, even in the United States, if you go adopt a kid, you cannot annul that adoption. Once you sign the papers, that kid becomes yours forever, or at least until they're 18. Well, you know what? God signed himself to you through Jesus Christ the moment you believed. Now, forever, you're a child of the living God. Don't shy away from it. Because God himself calls you a child. He calls you a son. He calls you a daughter. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. You know, I think it's important for us to take the, for us to take the time every single day and to believe God for the things that, that he has given us. We should take the purposes of God and we should remind ourselves every single day. I wish that I could attach names to you that God has given you. But I want you to understand that God himself gave you his word so that you could attach them to yourselves. When it says that by Christ Jesus stripes I am healed, every day you can say I am health because the stripes of Jesus Christ at the cross took on all of my sicknesses. If I'm lacking in finances or I need something, then my God supplies all of my needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. That's Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And you can apply that to your life. If you say that you need peace, then in Philippians chapter 4, verse, uh, verses 8 and 9, you can say that I have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. It's in my heart, my belief system, and also in my mind. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want us to, I'm just going to pray for us and send us out. 
Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over each and every person to the sound of my voice. I thank you, dear Lord, that they are taking on their sonship, that they're, that they're taking on the very fabric of the family of God, and that they are taking this literally and also physically, that they're applying it to their life in every single way. I pray in Jesus' name that as they go forth every single morning, they look at themselves in the mirror and that they say to themselves, I am a son, I am a daughter of God. And that they believe it and that they walk in it so that when you're showing them what to do and where to go next, like a good father would, because you supply their needs, that you supply the things that they're needing to do in their life, Father, that that they're going to do it, that they're not going to be hesitant. And I just pray in Jesus' name that there's a, a that there's just a revelation to them and that every single area of their life, that it just starts changing. That they start seeing themselves differently, they start seeing their world differently, they start seeing their jobs differently, they start seeing their families differently, and that, they, that they're able to put the love of God into every single thing. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that they go forth, you send people across their path, that they may minister who you are in your gospel. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. If y'all need prayer for anything, I'll be down front. But if not, you're dismissed. Y'all have a great week, okay?